I am reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 21. Luke was a physician by trade, but he was also a respected historian in the, the realm, the arena of a man like Josephus. Luke's words were proven to be reliable, dependable. I mean more words than what we have in front of us. As a historian, he wrote things about his nation and his government that are historical fact today. Luke 21, I'm beginning in verse 16. And you shall be betrayed, you shall be betrayed, both parents, both by parents, brethren, kinfolk, friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not a hair of your head perish. Love the way that he just sort of clobbers us between the eyes with a warning. But then he wraps his arm around you and comforts you in the fact that you're going to be okay. There shall not a hair of your head perish. In your patience possess ye your souls. In your patience, read it out loud with me. In your patience, possess ye your soul. What did Jesus mean? In your patience. If we take it for surface value, there's nothing wrong with that. You take it for face value, and our salvation depends on the level of patience we exhibit. Uh-oh. Look at somebody and say, uh-oh. Thank you, merciful God, for your word today and your precious people in the house. Saints of the Most High God, young and old, men and women, we thank you, God, for people that are a mind to do the things of God, to grow in their relationship today. Feed us through your word. Encourage us, God, by your presence. Help us leave here changed and the way we came. In the name of Jesus, God bless you. You may be seated. What did Jesus mean? The reason that number four is up there is because in case you have a desire to look in the podcast site or location or whatever you call that, you'll find numbers one, two, and three. I'm trying to make a little bit of a, a run with these ideas of this series. Not because... I'm bored or need something to do, but because I prayed about it and felt it. Here we go. All right, so if you consider yourself a patient person, if you consider yourself a patient person, would you raise your hand right now? You, you can be honest. You don't have to. Come hold them up a moment. A patient person. I applaud you. I believe you're telling the truth today. If I were to say, if you need help in that category, would you raise your hand today? One survey said, Brother Pale, that six out of ten men, 60% of men questioned, said, 
They were patient. And the women among us can go, ha, ha, right. Telling you what the survey said. Less than four out of ten women said, I'm patient. But when a large number of men were videoed on surveillance cameras, Brother Mike, shopping with their significant other, wife, daughter, mother, sister, niece, the men waited for an average of 60 seconds before wandering off. I've said it a thousand times. There's only one section that has your size in it. How long does it take to go? This is true. Julius Caesar, the infamous Roman emperor, said this. It's easier to find a man willing to die than to find a man willing to wait. In your patience, possess ye your soul. What things in life do you just do? Test waiting on. I mean, they're there every day. Traffic, food. I've said this until the cows have come home, and people quit inviting me to dinner. Maybe that's what the problem. But I've said, you know, if you tell me we're going to eat it, thank you, brother, you're going to eat at six o'clock, let's eat at six o'clock. Get there at 6 o'clock and, oh, I better get the pans out and start preparing. Stop it! Waited all day for 6 o'clock. What do you just detest waiting on? People in general, sure. Payday. In the retail business, I, I most of the time, I spent 35 years of it, most of the places I worked, they paid you every other week. You know, you get paid on Friday, you're broke Saturday morning. Anybody hate to wait at grocery store checkout lines? It is going to happen. Call it the law of averages. If I'm in line, don't get behind me. I'm promise you, something's going to transpire in front of me. Oh, they got the one item with no UPC label on it. I'm like, man, you may not want to wait behind me. It's like, what's the deal? Anybody hate for church, waiting on church to start? I believe some things in life, most things in life, ought to start on time. Can I get an amen? What about waiting on God? Do you mind doing that? I'll tell you what I find, Brother Lindsay. 
More often than not, I'm waiting on God. I've asked, I've, I've proposed, I injected my prayer request, I laid it at his feet sometimes months ago, and I'm just waiting on God to respond. David said in Psalm 25, 5, On thee do I wait all the day. Golden prophet Isaiah said, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Now the word wait in most other translations than King James is exhibited as hope or trust. They that hope in the Lord, they that trust in the Lord shall renew their strength. But knowing that, there's still an element of pause more often than not, like I talked about last Sunday. By the time you lay your knee at the feet of God, what things do you just hate? That's a hard word. Waiting for. Wait, wait for you to get done with your message. What things do you have in your category of life that you really don't mind waiting on? Please, brother, spare me the political detail by telling me, I don't mind waiting on my wife. Stop it. Stop it. I don't really particularly mind waiting on doctor and dentist appointments. Tax payment day. If you owe taxes, you might have prepared them January 1, but if you owe, it's like midnight, April 15th before I give them their money. Hebrew writer said in 1036 of that letter, we have need of patience that after we have done the will of God, we might receive the promise. If you care to, look at your neighbor and say, you need patience. Some of you did. That's what the writer said. For you have need of patience. And most of us could say, tell me something I don't already know. James the Apostle said in 1 and 4 of his letter, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Wanting doesn't, it's not politically or not correctly interpreted here as we understand it. It means literally in need of nothing. So let's establish some clear direction here. Number one, waiting requires a purpose, a reason. What am I waiting for? Whoever wins this visitor's contest, I'm going to take you and, and someone with you we are to double musky. And every time you go, for the most part, I haven't been there two years now, but every time I've been, you have to wait in line outside normally. They got a small little narrow hall and a little hook there where about 15, 17, 18 people can wait. And if the line's longer than that, you're outside. Snow, blowing, cold, whatever. But listen, it is worth the wait. 
That's one thing, one thing you don't mind waiting on. It requires a purpose. Not to wait here for nothing. What are you standing in line for? Nothing, absolutely nothing. Just standing here. No way. There's got to be a reason. For me to stand somewhere and wait on you, there's got to be a legitimate reason. Waiting requires purpose and waiting requires discipline. Uh-oh, now it's going to get quiet. We don't like that word discipline. It's not in a lot of our homes. Can I get a witness? It's not in a lot of our child raising today. Discipline, it requires self-control. Anybody like waiting for in line at DMV, huh? No. Everything that can go through my head goes through my head like, will you move up, lady? There's 12 feet between you and the next person. Would you mind? Look at all you angels out there. Never had those thoughts before? I need, I, you need to rub off on me. Some of you are stronger than I am. Waiting requires discipline, self-control. Got to get through this. I've got to meet with this doctor. I've got to pay this bill. I don't want to be here, so I've got to control myself because it must happen. But the beauty of it all is this, if I can somehow gather the purpose, and if I can control myself in the weight, that the Bible said Psalm 27, 14, the reward is our strength is going to be renewed. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say. Some folks don't like to be told to wait. One of the most aggravating remarks ever made to me is someone looked at me and said, and I want to say, shut up. <laughs> Leave me alone. Well, Trying to get somewhere today. So what did Jesus mean? In your patience, possess ye your souls? I mean, ouch. Waiting on your kids to grow up. Waiting on your sons and daughters to mature. Waiting on your husband to finally get it. Waiting on your wife to finally wake up. Ouch. In your patience. It's something more than just an attitude that's being held in check. It's deeper. It's more profound. It's, it's more weighty than just that. Webster said this, that patience is an emotion and, not or, but patience is an emotion and a skill. 
Some of it is organic, naturally there, and some of it can be developed. If you like spring baseball, there's nothing more, I don't know, to someone who really loves baseball, spring just, I, I can't wait. I told you before, I used to count, I used to count the days till Little League tryouts. I would just, I love spring. Spring just wakes me up and gives me a new lease on life for a moment. And I would count the days, 17 days until Little League tryouts or whatever. I hated waiting on that. But Webster says it's an emotion or a skill. Skill can be developed, can't it? That's why you go to school. That's why you get in tech school. That's why you get on the job training. You're developing a skill. in your patience, in that category of your emotion, in that level of skill that you have developed in life, Jesus said, lies something very eternal. Well, I'm just a hothead and I express myself and I am telling anybody that gets in my way. In your self-control. Here's the context of verses 16 through 19 of Luke 21. Jesus was warning the disciples that their Christian faith is going to be violently rejected by the religious establishment. He was saying, listen, you're excited about the Holy Ghost. You love coming to church. I love being around people who love to come to church. After all these years, one thing I don't like to do is be a cheerleader for church. Man, I look forward to church. I wait expectantly on church. Church isn't boring. I'm not saying every minute we're swinging from the chandeliers, but church isn't boring. Boring is waiting online for that price check. Boring is waiting on my fellow employees that won't hold up their end of the bargain and I'm enduring daily a job that I don't want to endure at. Church is where I, I, I get my release, and I, I get fed, and I get inspired, and I find renewed enthusiasm. He was saying this faith that you love will be so adamantly rejected by the religious mainstream Does that still apply? Your family has disowned you since you got the Holy Ghost. Your best friends don't even call you anymore because you go to that church on the hill. Oh, I ought to, be, I ought to get a louder witness than that today. I mean, if, if keeping what you have means I have to count the cost of who comes and goes in my life, it's well worth it. It's well worth it. I can live without my best friend, my high school buddy, my neighbors who love me as long as I'm tipping one back with them. And they love me as long as I'm watching trash on their big screen with them. 
They love me as long as I'm looking at garbage books that they hide under the truck seat. You're fanning yourself. It's getting hot in here. Yeah, all right. I'm, I'm going to go right there with you. Truth of the matter is this. If those are the things they require of me to be their friend, I don't need their friendship. I don't need their friendship. That's the context. He said, this faith you love, they're going to push you away because of it. But he was trying to tell them, if you hold firm to your faith, you'll be saved, you'll be delivered, you'll be the winner in the end. Now, now, too often, too often, it's a lack of patience in me that causes me to change my plans before my plans can come to pass. I'm not talking about little, little juvenile uh, ambitions when you're 19, 20, 23, 24. I'd like to be this by the time I'm 30. I want to be that by the time I'm 40. Nothing wrong with dreaming. Dream, man, dream. But so frequently in real life, there are bumps in the road and potholes in the road and flat tires in life. And by the time you get 30 and 40 and 50, You're like, you've adjusted those plans a bit. Your life has altered your direction a tad bit. But in my case, Brother Paul, I can honestly confess that a lack of patience has caused me to abort my plans long before God could bless my plans. It takes a level of commitment to serve God. Let, let me be real with you. If your commitment is as long as you feel good, as long as I smile at you, you're going to keep coming back. You need a deeper commitment than that, my friend. You need an established hold on the things of God. But see, he was telling them in the context that what you love is going to be rejected by the mainstream. So the test comes in your patience to endure in rejection. So concerning your faith, and as pressure mounts in life, and as you're put on the spot, will you change your plans about enduring through the end? Some people compromise what they used to stand for not because they're evil, not because they're wicked, not because they're hateful, but because they have no patience. God didn't do it fast enough. My boss didn't come through quick enough. The pastor didn't show up when I thought he should show up. I blew! That's not about right. That's exactly right. Sometimes... Good people abandon ship while God's trying to guide the ship into a safe harbor. All because there is a certain amount of pressure along with waiting. It's just present. If you tell your kid, just wait, just wait. Oh.
They don't want to hear that. But they need to hear that, don't they? Now look at these scriptures. I'm trying, I'm trying to keep myself where I said I would be. Romans chapter 5, please, quickly. This is Paul the Apostle. Not only so, he just, he just finished saying in verse 2, we glory in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, and not only that, but we glory in tribulation also. He didn't say we pray for tribulation. He didn't say we volunteer. He said we glory in it, meaning something good is going to come out of this. Somehow, someway, that's what he's implying. Knowing that tribulation develops, works, brings to pass, matures patience. Verse 4, please. And patience will bring about experience and experience hope. So in this text setting, patience is not something that's organic like an emotion. It's not a skill set that you can acquire by utilizing it. Paul is implying that patience is a tool. You can literally take it out of the box of life. Knowing good and well, you could avoid it maybe by running away. But Paul said, we're not going to run away. We're going to glorify God in the middle of it all. We're going to... So it's an emotion. It's, it's, it's a skill, but it's also a tool that you can, you can grab onto and utilize to bring about growth in your life. why the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 2 verse 3, to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Don't run away because of it. Endure it. Get through it. Everybody that's, go everybody that's here that's going through something today, someone near you has been through that before. You're not alone. You're not an island. You're not isolated. Oh, but you don't know my problem, Pastor. Oh, you don't even know what people have been through. Dark stuff, brother. Dark stuff, sister. Got to endure. You just got to somehow, some way, deal with the bruises and deal with the discomfort and plow through this thing. So patience is more than a luxury. It is an absolute necessity. Jesus said, hold on. Matthew 24, 13, they that endure till the end. Endure. Everything you're dealing with today may say, quit and run. Hi, God isn't going to help you. Your friends don't care about you. Every emotion in you might say, just go away. Jesus said, patience. In your patience. I think I saw six hands raised when I said, if you're a patient person, show me. See, the patience that Jesus is talking about is something that's going to reveal my destiny, where I end up. 
where I end up, he said, listen to me. God, everywhere you go, they're going to shout because you love God and love the church and love the experience God gave you. In fact, they're going to take your life. We read that, Luke 21, 16, 9. They're going to kill you. They're going to think they're doing God's service. They're going to stifle your testimony. They're going to try to over-talk you when you're in the, in the middle of a group that, that you're trying to witness to. They're going to do everything they can to kill your influence. Will you be patient? Will you endure? Will you wait it out? In your patience, possess ye the soul. That's what So if you jump out of that thing before you've accomplished what you set out to do, more often than not, you've just taken the possibilities out of God's hand. You know, you might be the, the next corner in life you turn. You might experience the greatest deliverance that you've ever known. You know, the, another, another survey said, Brother, Brother Sonatag, that more, I forget the number, but more than not, more in number than not, of catastrophic automobile accidents occur when a person is on their way home than going somewhere from away from their home. Got to get home. Got to get to my, my comfortable environment. Abandon all regulation and, and solid thinking. Abandon all secure mindsets and reasonable, mature level of thought. Just get everything out of the way. And we get silly and make bad decisions. We're almost home, brother. Almost home, sister. That's what Jesus meant. That's what Jesus meant. God bless you today. Thank you, merciful God, all you've done and all you're doing. Care for my soul. Encourage my heart. Renew my mind. You know every circumstance that every brother, sister is going through today. Every visitor in the house, every leader, the elder, every young person, you know everything they're dealing with right now, God. Asking you, Lord, for comfort. Put your arm around them, God, in comfort today. Give them that witness, God, of your presence in life. Help them to know, God. Help them to understand. Never going to leave them and never going to forsake them. Oh, Jesus, I love you. I can't live without you. I've just got to have you.